Thanks for listening to Emmaus Footnotes. This podcast offers uncomplicated guidance for following Jesus. What if you knew you only had a week left to live? What would you do? Who would you spend your time with? Who would you eat with? What would you say? Welcome to Approaching Freedom, a series of Holy Week reflections where we look at the last several days before Jesus' burial. How did he spend his time, and why does it still matter now? Today, Nathan Oates shares his reflection on Jesus' triumphal entry. Good morning, friends. It's Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter Sunday. And I love this day and I love this week coming up because this is the most exciting week of the year to read the Bible. There are, when we read scripture, there we, we come across frequent timestamps in much of what we read, in, in the Gospels especially. In other words, the Gospel writers mention feasts and harvests and political leaders, and so we're able to piece together a pretty clear picture of the three years of Jesus' life, starting with his baptism, running all the way through his public ministry, and then culminating in his death and resurrection. It's a general sketch, but it's nothing close to a day-by-day itinerary. But this week is unique, because beginning today, Palm Sunday, the Gospels record what Jesus does and what Jesus says each day of the week. So beginning today, the gospel locks into time. And there's a power to that. Yesterday, my wife and I were looking through some pictures from the last year, and we found a picture taken exactly one year ago. And somehow that kind of realization carries a special significance. We, you know, we look at each other and we're like, wow, that was a year ago today. It causes you to pause and to think that happened that happened on on this day, just one year ago, or maybe 10 years ago, or 100 years ago. All this week, I hope that you'll read the gospel accounts of the final week of Jesus' life before his crucifixion and resurrection, and I hope that you'll read them day by day, taking careful note of what Jesus did on this day, what Jesus said to his disciples on this day what others were saying and doing on this day so many years ago. And I hope that this awareness will somehow bring this old story into today with a renewed relevance and sense of power. Like this happened. Jesus was a man who lived and died as one of us. He said and he did things in real life, specific words and specific actions. He faced particular challenges and he felt actual emotions and it mattered and it matters still today. On this day, nearly two millennia ago, as Passover, which is the biggest Jewish feast, was about to begin, In Jerusalem, which is the most significant city in the world for Jewish people, Jesus rode into town on a donkey as a big crowd of people cheered and quoted famous lines from the prophets and the kings of old. And every single detail of what's recorded is significant, historically, socially, spiritually. I mean, this story is just thick with messianic expectations. In other words, people weren't just cheering for Jesus because of what he had done. People were cheering for Jesus because of what they expected him to do next. And though the dominant expectations of the crowd were not entirely accurate, Jesus was riding into town to accomplish even greater things than they could imagine. They were right to praise Jesus. 
They got this much correct. Matthew records the people saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna is an exclamation of salvation. Hosanna to the son of David. David is the famous king in the history of the Jewish people. Mark records the people saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Luke records that same phrase, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And then he says that the people said, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In other words, the people are not just praising Jesus as the new king of earth, but of heaven. They are attributing to Jesus the power and the glory of God. And this sends the religious experts into a fit. It's like they become referees. They're blowing their whistles. They're throwing flags. They're shouting foul. And here's what they say to Jesus. They say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, tell them to stop, censor this, silence them. And here's Jesus's mind-blowing reply. And I invite you to simply consider seriously what Jesus says next. Here it is. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus is saying that even if these women and men were to be silenced, what they are declaring is so true, is so accurately precise, it is so real that if they keep quiet, inanimate objects would begin to declare the very same truth. Notice that Jesus doesn't say stones might cry out or stones might need to cry out. He says, oh, the stones will cry out because all of creation will declare the wonders of the Lord. This is the way it will be, not might be, not should be, will be. Why? Because this is reality, friends. So there are expectations and there are hopes and there are dreams and there are wishes. And then there is reality. There is the way it actually is. And Jesus himself declared that if people do not praise him, the rocks will. And I can only think of one other place in the Bible where something similar is stated with such bold certainty, the kind of certainty that comes from firsthand knowledge of the way it actually is, that kind of, I've seen it with my own eyes kind of confidence, that whole, like, this is reality, reality. And that's this statement, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. The prophet Isaiah foresees this. The apostle Paul declares this. The apostle John witnesses this in the revelation. Every knee will bow before Jesus Christ and acknowledge that he is Lord. It's not every knee might bow. It's not every knee should probably bow. It's not we really hope that every knee will bow. No, here's the reality. Here's the truth. And this is what I'm trying to, I'm asking God for grace for us to just accept and, re and receive this seriously. 
every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Friends, in an age when everyone's opinion is seen as equally valid and truth is reduced to whatever you think, I humbly invite you to consider the Bible writer's claim about Jesus. If we do not praise him, the rest of creation will. Why? Because he's worthy of praise. Because he is, in fact, the word which spoke all that is into being. Because he is, in fact, Lord of all, the one before whom every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. As we hear and as we read about the events of this week in Jesus' life, may God open our eyes to see and our hearts to believe the truth. Jesus will be praised, and we can praise him now. All will acknowledge that Jesus is the one true King, and we can acknowledge that ultimate truth right now.